wrapping up this series today on five habits of healthy churches. You could easily call it five habits of healthy Christians because the church is the collection of Christians. And if the Christians aren't doing their part, then the church can't do its part. There's not something magical that happens because there's a building at this place. There are a lot of buildings spread across Europe that have none of the power of God in them anymore. Some have become museums. Some have even been used for other religions, God forbid. But maybe it was a little bit that they thought the building was going to do all the work. The building is just where, the, where we gather. The building's a facility, but we are the church. And if the work of the church goes forward, it's because Christians have committed to it. Now, I want to tell you this real quick. So Saturday this week, we've got coming up the marriage conference. Next week, kind of a little bit of a different approach than I've ever done before, I think. I'm going to start next week a series, and Pastor Neil's going to help me preach one of the weeks there. We're going to preach on marriage busters, how to avoid the things that sabotage your relationship. How many of you know that if the devil can destroy our marriages, then it has a huge negative impact on our church? We want families to be strong. And I think often we try to do sermons about of the positive nature, like marriage builders, how to have a stronger marriage. And I think that's very, very good. Let me use maybe just a quick illustration, then I'm gonna get into today's message real fast here. But, but it's, it's a good thing to teach people when they're driving a car to check and make sure you got plenty of fuel in the tank and make sure the oil has been changed at an appropriate time that you're not about to burn your engine up. Those things are good, but how many of you know it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to say, too, and don't drive 90 miles an hour around the curve or you're probably going to die. That's something to avoid. So the next four weeks, we're going to talk about things to avoid that will destroy your relationships. And sometimes, I mean, I've had this happen. People come in and to counsel with me and their marriage is just like all messed up and they go, we don't know what happened. So in the next four weeks, we're going to tell you probably what happened and how to avoid those things so that your marriage doesn't get sabotaged by your own doing. So it'll be a good series. It'll be positive, not just negative, but uh, we want to help every family to be strong in God. So that'll start next week. We're concluding this series today. The first habit was this. If you got your notes, look at it with me and say it with me. Worship God what? Let's try that again. Worship God what? Sincerely. That means with a pure heart. It means with a heart that, that has no, no uh, mixture of wrong in there, but it's, it, it's from, from the heart. When we worship God sincerely, we worship God continually also. They'll come up in the next word, but it's part of the same process. And the greatest act of worship is what? Obedience. The way that we worship God the most is by obeying what his word tells us. Then the second week we looked at encouraging each other. This talks about fellowship or connecting with one another. And we encourage each other to grow in that process. Encourage each other what? Continually. Even more so as you see the day approaching. The day of Christ's return. Can I tell you that I believe Jesus will come back in my lifetime. And I would be okay if he wanted to make it today. I've got two grandkids that today is their birthday. It would be a good day to go to heaven on through the rapture. Just all of us go up together. I do hope it happens on a Sunday. 
It's just kind of me being me. People who weren't really where they need to be, they'll just watch us leave and, you know, maybe try to grab hold. I don't know, but you got to be ready. You got to be ready. You got to be ready. It's the theme of God's Word. We encourage each other continually to stay strong in the faith. And one of the keys that we have as a church here are the community groups that we have. They meet tonight for the most part. Uh, Some of them meet at different times at 6 o'clock. If you're not in a community group, you need to be in one. And everybody that's in a community group said, thank you so much. It's a a game changer. It's a game changer for people that are there. And if if you're not plugged in, see Pastor Michael, and he'll help you. Habit number three, we need to grow to be more like Jesus. What's the key word there? Diligently. It means we commit ourselves to it completely. We work hard at it. And that's called discipleship or our spiritual growth. We're transformed by the word and by the spirit to help you in that process. We have Christian living classes every Sunday at 930. We have Wednesday Bible study groups that meet across the campus. And if you need something else, we can get you what you need to help you grow spiritually. In the age in which we live with the internet, there are so many resources that are right there at your fingertips. My goodness, you, we want you to grow in God. Last week we talked about uh, meet the needs of others. What's the key word? Attentively, we're looking for problems that we can solve. We're looking for situations we can impact. This is called ministry or serving. It's about meeting other people's needs. It's a very biblical concept. Jesus said he came to serve, not to be served. So today we go to one of those topics that you always hate as a believer for your pastor to preach about because we all feel woefully inadequate except for about four people who have the gift of evangelism and they're like, yes! And the rest of us are like, oh, I wish he hadn't brought that up. See, the, the devil has this desire that when we're, we're, we talk about things of God that we should have in our life, disciplines, whether that's prayer, Bible study, evangelism, those kind of things, that most of us just go, ooh, feel guilty. I'm not doing as much as I should. I'm not as good as I should be. And and the devil wants to just leave us in that state of of shame, that state of, 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 of just not responding. And instead of responding to it with the thought of, how can I move the needle forward we tend to just go, I hope he doesn't preach about that again for a long time because it really made me uncomfortable. But here's what I know. A church and individual Christians must share the gospel authentically. Now, I'm going to do my best to take some of the, uh, the guilt away from you and bring encouragement to take some steps moving in this direction. Second Peter 3, 9 a verse that you all know. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promises, some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. Why didn't Jesus come during the time of Paul and Paul's life? Paul thought it would happen in his life, right? Because when you read in 1 Thessalonians, he says the dead in Christ will rise first. And this is what Paul says, and then we who are alive and remain will be caught up with him. He's like, some of them have already died, but I'm going in a rapture. Now, the word rapture is not in the Bible, just in case that freaks you out. But there is the concept of rapture. The word rapture is an English word that simply means to be caught up. 
And so that's why we use the word for that, to be caught up with the Lord in the sky. It, it's, it's a promise of Jesus. It's, it's uh, authenticated. Jesus promised it. That's enough right there, by the way. But then it's authenticated by Paul in his writing. This is what Paul calls the blessed hope of saints. We believe Jesus is coming, and we're going to go with him. Peter says, the Lord isn't being slow about this promise. He's being patient for your sake. Why didn't he come a long time ago? Because he's waiting for the right time. He's waiting for people to come to Christ. He doesn't want anyone to perish. In the NLT, it says destroyed. Perish is probably a better word. Uh, anyone to live in that state of, of, of death, but wants everyone to repent. That's the key phrase right there. He doesn't want anyone to perish, but everyone to repent. And repent means to acknowledge your sin and turn away from it. Repent is not just going, oh, yeah, I messed up. I'm so sorry, but I'll probably do it again this weekend. Repent means I messed up. I'm sorry. Help me to have strength not to repeat that. And I believe that we have the ability to ask for the power of God to help us walk in righteousness and holiness. This doesn't totally fit in here, but I like to throw this thought out as often as I can. Some people talk about... Uh, they talk about the grace of God and they use it almost as a license to excuse whatever their wrongdoing is. And can I just tell you this morning that to think of grace as being an equipper for sin is ludicrous. Grace does not lead us into sin. Grace leads us out of sin. Grace doesn't lead us toward worldly living. Grace leads us toward righteous living, toward the path of holiness, which is good and proper. Mark 16, 15, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. I love that. Our assignment is not just for a few, but to everyone. The verse before, he wants everyone to repent. There's a theme here. Acts 20, verse 24, Paul says, my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. So we should live for the purpose of connecting people to Jesus. It should be the thing we, every day, we wake up thinking about it. I'm going to encourage you to make that a daily practice. We should, the word we use in our church here often, we use the word even invest for the, for the word for evangelism. Now, now, we're not just talking about our dollars. This isn't a banker's club. We're talking about investing our time, also our money, our talents, our our connections that we have with people, the relationships that we have, everything that we have, we want to invest in that so that they can know Jesus Christ as their Savior. So it's not just about taking up an offering once a month. It's not even just going and knocking on doors. Nothing wrong with either one of those things, but it's about making your life a, a representation of the love of God to the people you encounter. Paul said this really clear. He says, we are ambassadors of Christ. All of you that are old-time AGers, you know that's what we used to say for the youth. And back then, the youth was this wide range of 12 to 107 or something. I know it was like 12 to 35. And uh, 
I thought I was young when I was 34, and then I read this article that said only 3% of people over 30 consider themselves young, and I went, it's good to be in the minority. (laughs) But we were called Christ ambassadors. That was a great, great word for us to grab hold of, that we are representatives of Jesus Christ. We need to make sure that nothing gets in the way of our communicating the gospel effectively. There are a lot of things that can come into that play, and I'll I'll mention some of them later on in the sermon. But we need to make sure that we don't let anything block people from seeing God in his fullness. Now, I I am firmly convinced that the key for all of us is to walk in a lifestyle of holiness and righteousness, avoiding sin. You don't have to, you don't have to uh, wink at sin, or you don't, certainly don't have to accept sin as the norm to be able to minister to people. As a matter of fact, that will keep you from being effective. They need to find a way out of their sin, and if you're giving them permission to keep on sinning, then you're not helping them. Make sure nothing gets in the way of communicating the gospel. Sharing the gospel authentically with God's power will make us effective in God's will. So let me look at three things with you. Number one, God can redeem and restore relationship with those who were once far from him. I hesitate to do this, and I hope that you'll hear my heart and get the spirit of this. We all need to celebrate God's redemptive power and his power of restoration. And so... I just want to ask this morning, we're not going to make you tell stories. We're not going to take time for that, although it wouldn't be a bad idea. But how many of you in the room, and the the, the truth is we were all far from God. I've got that. So I'm not trying to make different categories here. But there are some people in the world, when we look at them and we think about them being a Christian, we're like, ah, that may be a little too far. You know, I just don't know if that's a doable thing or not. And... um, it's sometimes good to see that God is able to, to bring people into salvation who were in a lifestyle that was far, far from him. Amen. But they've been redeemed and they've been restored. Yep. So, I, so I debated this a little bit. I hope that you'll hear my heart, and I hope this can be a moment of celebration and joy. How many of you in the room would say, man, I was so far from God? You know, I wasn't like a good Christian kind of living on the edge. I was far away, and he brought me into the kingdom. If that's you, I want you to stand up right now all across the room. People that would say, man, I was a long ways from God, but look what he did. Praise God for redemption. Man, there's no one that's too far gone. Let your faith rise up. Start seeing those things that are not as though they are. God, for my my neighbor who continually lives in, in pride and in sin and in arrogance far from you, help me to believe, God, that your spirit has the power to penetrate what looks to me like an impenetrable shell. Man, the Holy Spirit has that laser Leak to break down walls. You, you know, I, I think everybody that just stood up will identify with this. Often, when any of us put ourselves in that position and we're trying to act like we know everything and we've got it all together, we're just trying to fake it till we make it. 
We're not quite as sure of life as we act like we are. And sometimes there needs to be a God moment. Listen to these words in Ephesians chapter 2. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. Everybody say outsiders. Anybody ever been outside looking in? Not a fun place to be. You were called uncircumcised heathen. That's not a good nickname to have. You were called this by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. So they get a smack too. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. You did not know the covenant promise God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now, you've been united with Christ. Once you were far away, but now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Jesus. For Christ himself has brought peace to us, and he united Jew and Gentile, one of the major differences in that time frame into one people when in his own body on the cross he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us he did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations he made peace between jew and gentile by creating himself one new people from the two groups together as one body christ reconciled both groups to god by means of his death on the cross and our hostility toward each other was put to death He brought this good news of peace to Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. I love that. Both people get peace. Now, all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. Let me skip down just a little bit. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Without Christ, you were an outsider. Without Christ, you were excluded from citizenship. Without Christ, you were devoid of God and had no hope. But now with Christ, you've been drawn near. You have received peace and you've been brought into the citizenship of God's people and actually made a member of his family. That is what God wants to do. It's not about being a better person. It's not about you know, being an upstanding citizen. It's about being transformed and made into a new creation. You know, we hear these words and and, and they're they're lost in, in their impact because we've heard them so many times. But when Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again, go back and read the story because Nicodemus goes, what? Born again? How can I be born again? Do you want me to crawl back up in my mother's womb? And we just say it now. You born again? Yeah, I'm born again. We're all born again, born again, born again. Yeah. We use that verse. Amen to Christ. He's a new creation. Old things pass. Wait, stop. You're a new creation? You're so radically different that you can't even be called the same thing. It's not on the outside. You don't change your physical appearance, but on the inside, there is a transformation that is shocking. There is a transformation that is so big, so genuine, so real. The only way you can describe it, it's just like being born again. It's like a whole new start in a huge way, not a little improvement. God doesn't ask you to turn over a new leaf. He puts you in a new journey. It's a whole new thing. And I love what Paul says, the conclusion of that verse about new creation. He says, old things are gone. And 
everything becomes new. The second thing I want you to see today is this. We need to prepare and pray for opportunities to share the gospel with those who are far from God. So there's a couple of verses I want to use here. Um, Colossians chapter 4. Here's Paul's words. And I think it's important to see where he starts with this. Devote yourselves to prayer. Can I tell you that evangelism without prayer is like trying to go- drive a car without gas. You may occasionally hit a spot where it's downhill and you think, well, I'm really doing something here. But you're not going to get very far. And the first time you encounter any need for supernatural help, if you're not a person of prayer, you're going to fail Devote yourselves to prayer. And notice the kind of prayer here with an alert mind and a thankful heart. That knocks out about 80% of people's prayers. People who are just praying out a routine. They're not really clear in what they're thinking about or what they're saying. They're just trying to get minutes off the clock. Pray with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us, too, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. This is why I'm here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim the message as clearly as I should. Now back to the Colossians. He says this, live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversations be gracious and attractive so you'll have the right response for everyone. You you ever see a person who ignored opportunities that were right in front of them? Sometimes it's it's in a movie setting. An illustration I think we can identify with where there's maybe a guy that, that this girl likes him, but he's just unaware and maybe he likes her but he's afraid and because of that he's not sure what to do and she likes him they like each other but neither one of them never know how to make the first direction to get together and it creates this this you know this cute little thing in movies sometimes where you're one of your cheering for him come on say something do something you know and you'd like to be able to jump in the screen and go let me help you out We have opportunities every day that are much more important than something that trivial. It's the opportunity to share with people what God has done in our lives. Now, let me me give a couple of reasons why we don't, in my opinion. Number one, because we're not prepared and we're not praying about it. And number two, because we don't take time to be alert and process what God has done for us. I'm thankful for the testimonies I can remember hearing as a child where people said, you know, I've been saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost for 48 years. And I'm thankful for the faithfulness of that testimony. But I've got to be honest, there were times I wanted to say, well, what happened last week? Do you have a current relationship today? I mean, it's one thing for me to get up and talk about, I'm glad that Jen and I have been married for 40 years now. We were married at six, so you know, that's how those things work out, like I said earlier. I'm glad to have that, that point of reference in that history. But how many of you know that if something didn't happen last week between us, if something didn't happen last month, that relationship's going to die. 
And it's, it's good to tell the story of what it was like way back when, when gas cost 43 cents a gallon and 27 for Stan. You could buy eggs for less than a dollar. But what about today? It's so critical that we keep this fresh relationship with God and that we are alert and aware to what he's doing. So when people ask a question that's coming up in just a minute, I have an answer because something just happened. I'm not having to say, well, back in 1976, oh, you weren't born then. You don't remember any of that. Jesus Christ, we quote this verse quite often, but can we make sure we really get it? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today. I want to pause on that word right now, today. I think that's a key for us to be effective in sharing our faith, that we have a current story. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let me go on and, and, and finish reading this here. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so you'll have the right response for everyone. 1 Peter 3, 15 and 16. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. No, 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 no. You can misunderstand me here. And I want to be careful to make sure I say this where it's clear. I study doctrine. I read doctrinal books. They're not always the most enjoyable, entertaining source of reading. But I want to make sure I understand Scripture right and that I get it right. That I'm going to try to present it in a way that, that, that puts it in my own words and maybe makes it a little bit easier to comprehend. When you find a theological book, whichever one it is, that, that is, is, is um, easy to read, enjoyable to read, you need to... You need to Read that book frequently because some of them, they get so detailed in depth. They're good. They're great. They're important. But here's the reality. People in the world really hear what I'm saying. They don't care about my doctrine. They care about my story. Now, it's going to lead to doctrine later on. But if I'm trying to debate with them over the doctrine of whatever, that will rarely change their mind. But they can't argue with the fact that when I was talking with Jesus this week, here's what he's spoken in my heart. And here's what he does for me on a regular basis. And here is how he's been faithful in my life. They might be able to say, well, I don't understand all that. But they can't say, no, that's not true because it's my story. I'm not downplaying the need for doctrine. I hope I I made that very, very clear. But we cannot bring people to Christ necessarily in a doctrinal exposition. They come to Christ when they hear our story. Here's what he did for me. He gives me hope. He gives me joy. He gives me purpose. He strengthens love in my heart. He changes me into a new creation. I'm different today because Jesus is Lord of my life. That's not debatable. We have to be able to speak to people about what God has done for us. Always be ready to explain it. Do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. 
Then if people speak against you, they'll be ashamed of, they'll be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Let me make this really clear. It's not just living a good life. It's living a God life. People say, well, well, isn't it enough if I live a good life? No, you got to live a God life. But can I tell you, God life is bigger than good. You don't get to say, well, I'm living a God life and then be mean, hateful to your neighbors. Then wonder why they don't want to come to church. As you read through these passages here, we are all called to participate in the activity of kingdom business. We need to pray. I want to encourage you every day to pray and ask God to give you names of people you are praying for, that they would come to know Christ as their Savior. It may be people that you know closely. It may be a neighbor. It may be a family member. It may be a coworker. It may be an influencer in America. I, I pray this way a lot, and, and I just pray, God, please give revelation uh, to, to, to these people in some way. If I'm part of it, phenomenal. But God, somehow get them to the place where they know you and accept you. What an incredible change that could make. We need to pray for God-created opportunities. That's what Paul told the Colossians to do exactly. Pray that God will give us opportunities. There's an importance in praying. Be prepared. Be ready. Live with Jesus as the Lord of your life Treat people with respect and kindness and live a godly life. And here's the last thing today. The Holy Spirit has an active role in evangelism. So we need, to, we need to do what we can. We need to put ourselves in the right position to be used of God. We need to recognize that God can save anyone. There's not anyone too far from him. We need to be prepared and ready. But we need to also know the Holy Spirit will help us. The Holy Spirit has an active role in evangelism. He reveals the work of Jesus. He teaches us and reminds us of the work of Jesus. He equips the church. He empowers the church. And on the flip side of the coin, he's preparing the heart of the unbeliever before you ever talk to them. Now, here's, here's what we have to understand. This is not some... Just rules and regulations of how to be a good boy or a good girl. This is about transformation of your soul through the power of God's Spirit and the blood of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit provides the power for people to be saved. Five keys to sharing your faith authentically. Here they are. Number one, be filled with the Spirit. You're not going to be effective if the Spirit does not fill your life. Because if you don't have the Spirit, what's left? Flesh. How effective is flesh in doing the work of the Spirit? Paul talks about that in Galatians, by the way. And he pretty much says zero chance of anything good happening. Be filled with the Spirit. Number two, be genuinely concerned with people even as God is concerned for them. People, it's an old phrase, but it makes so much sense. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. It all begins with being concerned about others. Be a good listener. Colossians 4, 6, we just read a moment ago, says that we're supposed to know how to answer. How many of you know that you can't know how to answer if you're not listening? Any of you in school ever tried to answer a question that you didn't really hear? Maybe you weren't paying attention. Maybe you're daydreaming. The teacher says, blah, 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 blah. And then they go, what do you think about that, Bruce McCarty? 
you kind of look at them like, I wonder where we're at, what's going on. And you kind of do a little general vague answer like, well, I think for the most part, that's probably a statement that would be viewed as correct for a large percentage of people who might be involved in that kind of situation. And then he says, I ask if you would take out the trash. <laughs> yes, and for me, the answer is yes, because most people in that situation would say that. You ever been asked, talking in conversation with your spouse, and you're not really tuned in well, and you, you don't hear it? It's not good. That's a personal experience testimony for me. God will speak to us and he will cause people to ask questions that give us opportunity to respond. But if we're not listening and we're trying to make them follow our script, we're going to have trouble. Be a good listener. Be quick to pray. That's not on the list. Be quick to pray. When somebody says, I'm really having trouble at work. You know, there's this coworker of mine that's just really, man, I'm clashing with, and I don't know what to do. Well, can I pray for you about that? And that, don't pray a David prayer at that moment, like God kill all of their enemies. Use a little bit of wisdom there. Be a good listener. Be honest. Be sincere. Be transparent. Be filled with the love of God in action. So as we talk about everybody having the need to be involved in evangelism today, I'm going to ask you to do a couple things. I want you to commit with me this morning, this week, as I begin my day. I'm going to take a few minutes. I'm going to leave it a little bit vague for you to handle the way you need to. And I'm going to ask God to help me to know who to pray for. You probably ought to have some recording device. I used to say paper and pen, but maybe you're all electronic now and you've advanced beyond that. We'll put it on your iPad. Put it on your phone. Put it wherever you... But have some names that you're praying for. You don't need to show that to everybody, but just something you're praying. God, I think there's a need here, and I'm asking you to do something about it. And God, if you can use me, I'm available. Who are you praying for? Who are you praying for? I hope that next week if I bump into you in the lobby and I go, who are you praying for? You'll be able to say to me, I'm praying for my cousin, and I'm praying for this coworker, and I'm praying for this neighbor, and I'm also praying for this influencer in Hollywood that needs Jesus really bad because their life's really messed up. What if we begin to believe for people to come to Christ? Second question, what has God done in your life lately? When somebody asks you, well, tell me about this faith that you have. What difference does it make anyway? It's not going to work to say back in 1973. You got to be able to say, here's what God is doing in my life today. And I don't have it all figured out, and I'm on a journey, and I'm working through it, but he gives me guidance. He gives me assurance. He gives me strength. He helps me today, every day. You need to let God do that for you so you can testify to that clearly. And the last question, what will you do when the Holy Spirit leads you to a God moment conversation? Don't fumble the ball. When the chance comes, 
You don't have to be eloquent. You don't have to have degrees from seminary. You just simply have to say, can I pray with you? Because God's a God of transformation. Listen, you're not going to save them anyway. God will save them. Say, I don't know if I can do it. Let me help you out. You can't. It is a God thing, but you can be used by God to get to that place. Don't you bow your heads all across the room. Every time we come together, if you ever want prayer, you can certainly come up to me or any of the other staff. You probably can just grab somebody in, the, in your section right there and say, would you pray with me? People will pray with you today. And if you have a need, I hope that happens before you leave. I'll hang around till everybody's gone. So if you leave without talking to me, it's because you chose to. I will be here till after you're gone. And if you need prayer and you want me to pray with you, I would love to do that. But I want our focus right now to be of something of kingdom nature that we all can respond to. I want to ask this question. How many of you this week will begin your day by praying, God, show me someone that I can pray for today. Give me opportunity, Lord, to have that God moment, that opportunity created that Paul asked to pray about, that I'll be able to share the gospel with them. And God, help me to, to look and see what you're doing in my life so I can testify to your goodness. I want you to do this just as a, as a point of, of, of true meaning right now. If you'll do those three things, I'm going to pray. I'm going to stay connected to God so I have a testimony, and I'm going to look for opportunities to share my faith and step into that moment when it presents itself. If that's you today, would you lift your hand and hold it up as high as you can? If you have a physical disability, I'm not there's not a certain height I'm looking for but if you really mean it God use me God use me and I hope that many of you just bust through the doors next Sunday excited about what God did and letting you share your faith keep it up real high all across the room Father I pray right now in the name of Jesus for a holy anointing anointing to be a soul winner to be focused on people who are far from you and rejoicing when they are brought into restoration. Lord, when you ask us to pray, our answer is yes, Lord. When you ask us to, to speak, our answer is yes, Lord. We want to draw near to you and know you and, and have closeness with you so that we have a testimony of a God who is currently involved in my life. May it happen in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.